Okay, so welcome everybody. Uh, Labor Day Monday. I'm so glad that you all are here. As we were just discussing here a few minutes ago, instead of going into tonight's lesson, we're going to just recap what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. We've been doing this series on relationship dynamics. And I'm curious, what have you been able to take with you over the last several weeks through our conversations? What have you been applying? Where do you feel stuck? Um, what has been maybe something that you've been attempting to adjust through and, and you're trying to figure out how do I get from where I'm at to where I want to be? Well, you're looking at me, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the other side, I've just been going through a lot of struggles and so on, and uh, I was sort of struggling a lot with that uh, stuff that he was going through. But now I just feel like I'm more ready to have just uh, <coughs> let him do his thing and then uh, take consequences or. Uh, push himself a little bit more to get into the right place and, and it seems like that has been giving me more peace and, and more uh, calmness and I don't worry as much or stress as much so that's, that's been helpful. That's great. How did you get there? How did you get to that place where you can let him be as you put it? Well, I guess uh, I just realized that uh, I wasn't at that place and I needed to, <laughs> to be there so I just kind of a mental way to sort of uh, let go um, and uh, try to uh, um, go in a new direction kind of for myself. That's great. That's good. Anybody else? What, what are some of the things? So a few weeks ago we talked about expectations and how that impacts relationships. Last week we talked about secrecy and transparency and that and how that impacts relationships. What are some of the things you've taken with you? What are some of the things that you've been applying when you've been out of class? Yeah. So my sister, my younger sister came to visit and she, she's a normie, but you know, we're, we're both adult children of alcoholics. Joanna has never really gone through any kind of program. And she's, you know, so, but she has the reactions. Mm -hmm. But she, you know, she's gonna drink half a glass of wine and be done with it. She's not, you know, doesn't have any different personality. But she needs to be addicted to, addicted to drama. But this visit that we had, there was no drama. And we, I was really working on being, you know, just, I wanted it to be, I prayed about it a lot. I wanted it to be a good visit. I really, it was really important to me. Because, you know, we're not getting any younger, you know. They have to be good. And the last few visits have been, Good, except like a few years ago, she had neck surgery, and I, I, I went there to Las Vegas to help her. And there were some prickly moments, mm -hmm. you know, because it, it was a lot of time. I was there for three weeks, so towards the end of it. But anyway, so they came up. She and my nephew came up for a week, and it was the best visit ever. Good. The best visit ever. I really, you know, was, you know, we, it was like she was. It was like something had changed with her too, mm -hmm. because. She wasn't, there wasn't any of that old stuff of like, you know, pushing each other's buttons kind of thing, you know. And it was, it was just like the best visit. We had so much fun. 
We did simple things. We didn't do, you know, major stuff, you know. But we hung out. We went to the beach. My nephew got us tickets to the Hollywood Bowl through a friend, and that was really great. And But mostly we stayed home and cooked and, you know, went swimming and, you know, just chilled. And it was really good. It was good. Really, it was just such a good family, you know, time together. And Jeremy had a great time. It's been time with Richard with music and cooking, which they have in common. Yeah, younger. And, uh, she's younger. She's eight and a half years younger. Yeah, we had the same parents because my parents had a time out. <laughs> yeah, very significant time out. Eight, no, yeah, seven year time out. So anyway, um, yeah, so I'm really grateful for that. You know, it's really, it's so, we don't have much family. You know, yeah. And Richard and I hardly have any family left now, you know, because all the older ones are gone. Sure. So we're the old ones now. <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's weird. <laughs> you know. What changed for you? Um, I was just really trying to have fun. I was just trying to keep things light with her and not pick on her about anything. You know, she smokes. So I made her comfortable. I had a smoking lounge for her in the patio. And I didn't say anything about anything smelling like I made no wisecracks about smoking. I uh -huh. used to smoke two years ago. I made no, no comments about it. You know, I was like, I, I did everything I could to make her feel really comfortable. That's it's, what I, you know, yeah. but not coyingly, but in a nice way, you know, yeah. around the house and the things that we did. And, you know, it, it just really, it was just really good. You know, it was good. It was like the best visit ever. Well, it sounds like you changed your expectations and some of those things so you could accept that this is where she's at. Yes. And that really helped you moving into that time with her. Yeah, that's really great. We're talking about, because you just walked in, we're talking about like just some of the things that we've learned over the last few weeks, specifically when we've been talking about relationship dynamics with expectations and secrecy and transparency and how we're applying that to our life. You know, the, my <clears throat> main tool for dealing with expectations uh, and, I, and, I, and I jotted down something said, expectation is the root of all harm. And for me, the way I come at that, it is such a huge thing to contend with. Because here, here's the thing. God never shows up the way we want him to. He shows up the way he wants to. Mm -hmm. We have to decide whether we're going to accept that or not. And that happens everywhere and so you know some people say well don't have any expectations well that's not true we all have things that matter to us mm -hmm. and we have to do something with them. we can't just can't just ignore that or, or you can't go live in a hole somewhere and not worry about other people that doesn't that doesn't matter but um, the, the way that that i sort of practiced mm. how to deal with that. It, it, it's right out of the big book. Mm -hmm. it, it's a statement by Dr. Paul, and it's in the story on acceptance was the answer. It's a funny story. The first time I saw this statement, I'll, I'll share it in a second, it was on Mary's computer. And I said, that's cool. I hope she does that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it somehow, it stuck with me. Uh -huh. And it goes like this, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Whenever I'm disturbed, it's because 
I find some person, place, some situation or thing, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, situation or thing. It's exactly the way it's supposed to be. At that moment, nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to say, until I can accept my drinking, I couldn't stay sober. That, that, was, that was what was key for him. But to me, that is such a foundation. That's, the found, that's really the, the cornerstone of my recovery, that right there. Because what it means is you have to accept life on life's terms. And life does not give us the terms we want. We can negotiate, but it doesn't give us the terms we want. Yeah. Uh, uh, other people don't. God doesn't. You know, and it just... So to find, to cultivate the capacity to just go, no, it's not wrong. It's the way it is. It may be unpleasant. I may mm -hmm. not like it. Acceptance doesn't say you have to like it. You can hate it. That's mm -hmm. fine. However, you've got to accept it the way it is because you get in all the trouble when you try to fix it or try to make it different or try to you know, tell somebody else how they should behave so you can be okay. Mm -hmm. That never works. Never yeah. Works. So that's the, I, the way I describe that, that's like driving on the wrong side of the road. Right for a head-on collision. Because you're in somebody else's lane and you don't belong there. Yeah. Acceptance is so important. It is. And life is cruel and unusual and it doesn't discriminate. Right? It's, and, and what's fair to one person is not going to be what's fair to another. And so being able to flow and negotiate, like you said, and get to that place of accepting that this is the way it is for me, this is what it looks like for me, and not the comparison of somebody else is really important. It really frees us up from so much bondage in our own emotions. So we just get all locked and, 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 and trapped in there. Yeah. You know, with John being home all the time now, ever since his surgery and retirement in September of 2019, and I just—it's—it's it's an ongoing process where I just have to step back and go into my room and just let it go, mm -hmm. let it go, because you know, and don't bitch and moan and why did you do it that way? Why Which would have been my, you know, creed ten years ago, and now it's just let it go. Yeah, with a nice big deep breath. Oh, that's why I take long walks in the morning. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and, and physical activity helps with that stuff, right? We need to be able to move our bodies, to move our brains. I read a research article when my, my children were small, my boys specifically, and it was about helping boys work through anger because my oldest had quite the temper and I didn't know how to help him navigate through that and what they said was is that we need to move they need to move so their suggestion was have them go run and I lived in a place where I could have him run around the backyard and he'd come in and he'd be like oh, I'm done and you could tell he was still just really full of anger and I go nope you're not go run some more and and Yep, and once it did, and he was able to go, oh, I knew he was in a place where we could have a conversation and we could talk about it. And as he got older, I realized when I needed to talk to him, let's go for a bike ride, let's go for a walk, let's you know take the basketball out and shoot some hoops. Let's do something. So we're not just sitting here and talking, we're physically active. 
and that changed his ability to be able to pay attention and respond in a more appropriate way. Our body needs that movement in order to get everything moving within our brain so then we can process. And I don't know if you guys in the room have experienced this, but it seems like guys are definitely wired for that physical activity like really, really heavily wired for that physical activity and they need it. And so how do we help create that space for people in our life? I know I need it, but what I need is going to look different than what my spouse needs, right? His is, his is he wants to go get on a drum kit and just beat the crap out of it, you know, and just, just really pound that thing. I want to get out and I want to do some yoga. I want to stretch. I want to walk. I want to look at the flowers. <laughs> you know, my physical activity is going to look different for his, but yet we can get to the same place through it. Yeah, that's good. Good, good. And we have to start with acceptance. We have to be able to understand that this is the way it is for us. Even tonight was at one point in class. I'm going to class. It's Labor Day. It is. Well, we all took a vote and decided to go. It's like, oh, I don't need an attitude, but I try to respond appropriately and just let it go. Yeah. Good. Anybody else on on what we've been talking about? How is that how have you been able to apply that into your life in the last few weeks? Well, I should have added uh, one more thing to my previous statement. That, uh, your teaching has been very positive and very helpful and uh, very encouraging. And uh, I think that's helped me sort of open up my eyes and uh, mm. look at things more realistically, uh, you know, what, what we've been dealing with. So uh, thank you for Oh, that's kind. Thank you for sharing. I take that as a compliment. The Holy Spirit is moving through me because that's my prayer. Yay, yay for that. Yes. Uh, in, my, in my recent experience, uh, I've signed out of a new company, mm. and I've been working there for eight months now. And uh, they're slow for me for my milestones. Usually when you go to a company, they, uh, 90 days in, they give you your benefits package and, and your uh, and your uh, approve, uh, what you need to work on, your SWAT, your, your strengths, your weaknesses, your acceptances, and your tolerances, and uh, all of that stuff. I didn't get mine until like seven months. But I told them, you can't do this. When you hire new people, you can't do this. And then the new people come in, they're right here on it. So I'm, I don't know if they just haven't. I, and from what I understand, the people that I'm taking over, replacing, or overseeing, have all been there for like forever. So they've all are now revolving really slow. They're not real dynamic. They are just trying to do their thing. So I came in with the uh, uh, with the expectations of, okay, here I am. We're gonna do this, and uh, everybody's supposed to roll with me here, and uh, get nothing but uh, uh, no nothing. <laughs> Mm. At, at some point in time. So I'm like, okay, so 
all right, so I came in here, got no ready to fire. And uh, we're not fired. So let's see what happens. Let's see how maybe I've asked for, I've asked for several, uh, I've suggested several grievances. So we'll see how those are handled. So now the transparency is, I'm fully transparent with everything. I'm telling them everything. And maybe some of this should be, as we say, secretive versus, you know, put it all out there. But you know what? I came into this company telling them exactly the transparency, revealing everything, telling them what's wrong with this company, everything, because uh, companies that worked before don't run like this. Mm -hmm. And they're big companies. And this has been a company that's been around for three years, but then so the people who work there. So they got their little niche and their little thing, and I don't know that. I don't know what kind of profit they make, but uh, you know, I, I saw that there's there's a gold mine here that could be there's a machine here that could be made to move, and uh, but it's not uh, it's not uh, I, I'm almost burnt out. Mm -hmm. I'm trying so hard to to move this thing or do something better, and it just seems like it's not going in. And all I did was get tired and frustrated and all the negative emotions to go along with it. And so now I just say, okay, well, I'll play it your way then. I'll do nothing and you tell me what to do. And so that's where the expectation and the transparency, see, I'm trying to figure out between the transparency, see, I'm never, I'm never real good at I'm really emotional. And mm. so I'm not good at transparent versus secretive or, you know, there's no secrets here. If I'm mad, you're gonna know it. If I'm happy, you're gonna know it. And so, uh, probably not. Probably not a good virtue for somebody who's higher up on the ladder. But, uh, I don't know how I got there. It sounds like you have a lot of integrity in that you believe in being honest, and in that honesty comes that transparency of what's going on at that time in your workplace, and and that's really a strength that you have. You know what? Thank you. Uh, I needed somebody to like sound it back to me, so you know, like that is what I. Do. You're exactly correct. And I'm like, if my ethics aren't correct, if it doesn't sound right to me, it's probably not ethical and not correct. And it just seems like everything I'm trying to do is going out there, but nothing's coming back. And to be able to say it and hear it back one more time is like, okay, so that's what I'm trying to do. It's just not. It's just not going there. So, yeah. Uh, there's other issues then. There's other issues that need to be dealt with or figured out or or micromanaged or whatever term you want to use and uh, and, and go from there. So the other, all of these things that we do I, I kinda like take back home with me and I talk uh, I I bring Steve with me here and there and sometimes Steve's kinda uh, I'll, I'll I'll go home. Hey Steve remember the topics we talked about he goes, well there was uh,
<laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> so, so, see, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good. You can tell my kids got a good surprise spirit in So, and I try to keep that. I try not to ever disappoint that at all inside. That's I great. And I try to keep it bright. Good. Well, you know, this is, you know, thank you for sharing that. This is, you know, definitely something that, whether it's been Pastor Wade or Pastor Ryan that I've had conversations with talking about the importance of our emotional health, right? That that's in conjunction with our recovery with it's in conjunction with our spiritual growth and that we really can't have one without the other. Like when God calls us and he's going, we, we're going to go deeper with him, he's going to pull things out of us to go deeper and to heal emotionally as well. It's going to happen. In fact, those who, who are not also healing emotionally are probably getting stagnant to some degree in their spiritual life because God does not leave us where we are at. He just doesn't do it. And that's what it means to be in that relationship, that, that discipleship relationship with him, is that we were saying, yes, Lord, I want you to take me on this path of healing. And it's going to happen in, in small chunks and moments. Sometimes it may have, feel like it's happening in a huge way, right? But that's only with him that we're able to walk through that because I couldn't do that on my own. I would fail miserably at it. And in fact, when I attempt to do it on my own, without the Holy Spirit, without listening to him in me, then I'm going to get off track. And it's going to either feel overwhelming or like I'm unable to do it because I truly need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, one who is coming is greater than me. He's come to help you, right? He's going, he's our guide. He's our counselor. He's our, he's healing us. He knows more about us than we're ever going to. So the Holy Spirit with us is just so powerful. It's just so powerful. So our ability to be able to teach our kids and to be able to bring that along to them as we're learning that in our own life is just going to be phenomenal for them. We're truly leaving the best legacy we can for them right there. Right there. That's great. More than any amount of money is ever worth. We're setting them up for success right there. No matter what circumstances they happen, right? We all know circumstances aren't in our control. They're not in our control. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you know, I, 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 I want to be really um, circumspect about this. I, I just have one, one thing to say about what you shared. Um, not like cost offering, but company cultures are remarkably persistent. And the root of the culture is unconscious. A company thinks they're successful they're doing things the way they're doing. To change that, I, I, I spent a lot of time reading about how to do that. You have a 10-year arc. 
change in public discussion. That, that's just, and I'm saying that because what I hear is when you're giving suggestions and you're not getting a response. And I'm trying to point you to what may be at the root of that. And that's a place where acceptance actually comes in. Yeah, for, for sure. And it's, you're right. It takes a long time for a large shift to change course. And they generally don't want to change. The only time a company will change is if the president says, I want to change, and he gets everybody on board and drives the ship that way. If that doesn't happen, it's not going to change. And that in and of itself takes time, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that Titanic is a great example of a physical thing that happened when somebody's not willing to change course. You know, you have this great, great travesty of this amazing ship that sunk all these years ago and we're still learning about it. I just watched a documentary the other day on Disney Plus about it and they were using like sonar capabilities and it was phenomenal and, and this is brand new information about the destruction of what happened, right? Because people did not want to listen and change course because they weren't able to see the bigger picture. And when we're just one person in that, there's all these different things that we're talking about that go together. But really being able to know that that large ship, it doesn't matter if it's the church or an organization, does definitely takes time. Yeah, for sure. What else have you guys learned or applied in your life when it's come to our conversations lately? And maybe it's not been the past two weeks. Maybe it's been something that we talked about, I mean, a month or two ago, because we've been doing this for a few months now, if you believe it or not. I, you, you shared just a little, I, I write down a lot of things that you said, because your, your perspective is just wonderful. Mm -hmm. Guilt is something I did, shame is something I did. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is actually an incredibly powerful insight, because guilt can be useful in relationships, Shame, however, is not. Because if you have a distorted idea of who you are, mm -hmm. you know, someone, someone else said, I'm not sure who said it, is, you know, people who are easily shamed can't learn. Uh-huh. Well, and so, so first of all, thank you for that. That's not my, my insight. That's somebody else's insight that I stole. Um, that, well, that's okay. You share it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't... I'm not... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I'm not giving you. I'm not well, ready. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I found it super powerful as well because when we think about our identity being in Christ, we know that there's no condemnation in Christ. Therefore, there can't be any shame in my identity if I'm truly in Jesus. Right. And so I have to, whenever shame comes up for me, I have to be able to listen and pay attention to it. What is it saying? Why is it here? And what is it? What's its function in my life? Right? We don't, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says we do not do bad for bad sake. Meaning everything I do, whether I'm consciously or subconsciously aware, I'm doing it because there's a benefit of good for me which means even the shame in my identity has a function and a purpose. Whether I want it to or not, it's there. And so I have to be able to be honest and true with myself about 
what it's there, what it's attached to, what its function is, if I'm going to dissolve that and allow my identity to be more firmly planted in Jesus, which is where I know logically my identity is. So I can know logically that this is where my identity is without actually experientially living it because I'm living in shame. Because that's become my identity. Or it's become part of my identity. And so we can get really stuck in those places. Whereas you're right, guilt can be very functional. In fact, I think there's times where guilt can use to convict us. I can truly feel guilty because I did something wrong. I said something and it hurt you. That is my mistake. And so I feel guilty for it. And so that, the purpose, the function of that guilt is to lead me back to you to say, I'm so sorry I said this. I see I hurt you. And I am sorry for hurting you. That's the function of the guilt. Now, past that, let's say I continue to feel guilt past that. Now, that's a tool used by the enemy. What is he going to deal with it then? He's going to lead me towards shame. He's going to lead me. That, that guilt that is no longer functional but is still hanging on, the enemy wants me to hang on to that because it's no longer about something I did, it's who I am, and it leads me into shame. Which we just said, I don't, should not have shame because I, my identity is in Jesus. So you see how it's all intertwined with each other. It's a very, very powerful dynamic when we really break it down. I, 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 I just, I just I want to play with, play with the words a little bit there. Because one time Wade gave a talk to the difference between should and ought. Mm. So you know, we, we ought to recognize that our identity is who we are in Christ. Mm -hmm. Should. I had an acting coach tell me this, and I didn't quite get it at, at the time, but over time I've come to understand. Should is an obstacle. Mm -hmm. I should do that, but implicit in that statement is that I really want to do this. Yeah. And what, what, we're have, what we're doing is we're consciously focusing on, well, I should do this. How come I'm not doing it? But you're not listening to what you actually want to do. And, you know, in, in, a, in the case of an addict, well, I should quit. I'm going to quit tomorrow. Or if they sit on the back end, well, I should have done this yesterday. Right. Now they're what my supervisor said, they're shitting all over themselves, right? That should leads to shame. And it does. It's it's so powerful. So that that should statement, whether it comes before or after, you can see how it's just gonna lead you down a path that you really don't want to go. So in other words, when I'm saying should that needs to be a red flag. You know that old TV show, Danger, Danger, Will Robinson? Yes. Yes, that's, I actually never watched it, but I know that phrase so well. And my husband loves it. And so I always think about that whenever I hear a should statement, I go, Danger, Danger, Will Robinson in my mind. And it's kind of there now because I realize that that's really dangerous avenue for me to keep going down if, if I allow myself to keep doing it. Yeah, that's really good. Thanks for bringing that up. Any other thoughts, comments, or things that have really struck you or things that you've been really able to apply that you want to share tonight? Uh, I'll share one. Uh, 
were due issues and and um, there's like uh, three incidences. One I'm responsible for and I made amends and tried to uh, and, it, and it isn't anything like I didn't cheat on her or anything like that, but it's something that is really troublesome to her. The other two incidents, and I say these three because of, these are the things that don't leave her mind. Mm. And uh, the other two are just incidental coincidences that she has a, a, an opinion on what happened when she didn't happen. So that's like, wow, what do you do with that, right? And it's like, and no matter what, how we work through it, she doesn't seem to ever to to make to uh, realize that that was not what she uh, thinks happened. Mm. She still believes what she thinks happened, even though it's not what happened. So, all that to say, we've been. These are these are things that come up every now and then. The same things that she hasn't been able to overcome, and it's what has caused her to do is fear of trusting me. Mm -hmm. And that trust is lack of trust is really. Devastated our relationship, and, and you know, and, and I take responsibility for what I've done, you know, and I and I get it. And think the thing, the, the hard thing is, is a couple things. One is she's more happy with not being around me. It's like I see her with other people interacting, and now she's happy, and then she gets around me and she's sad, and I'm like, mm. that's not good. You know, I want her to be happy. You know, if I'm not making her happy. So, okay, so, and then, so we're like on this kind of, we're on a break, mm. right? The problem is, is that she can't break up with me, and I really can't break up with her either, mm. except for I have to break up with her because she can't break up with me, right? Because she's miserable. Mm. I'm not miserable, but she's miserable. So it's like, I don't want her to be miserable. So this is really difficult. So then, last, there's a whole new dish of things that are causing her issues, mm. issues that that are just her fears of the future. It's like, man, so she's a, been in the church all her life, and it's like we come from way different worlds, and we kind of knew going in that this is going to be a kind of an issue, but you know we're like. It's a track, blah, blah, blah. We're both in the Lord, and so we should be able to overcome this. It should be interesting, if nothing else. Well, it just, it really, it really hasn't been interesting. And um, not that it's like terrible, but it's not like it should be, right? And so, what I realized when, when I got this new plate of her fears uh, told to me, Last week, we were already like realizing we're gonna be friends, and then she puts this on me. Like, well, what about this? What about that? Wow. And so then, what it's like, kind of what I realized is like, it's something else. It's like, I guess what I realized is she's never gonna be free in her mind between us. She's gonna always have some kind of trust issue. Mm -hmm. And if it is, if these are resolved, she's got another. Thing. And I don't know why that is, you know, 
I've had to do is I have to, I have to do this, and it's not it's really not easy. Sure. What she's asking me to do to be the one to you know make the breakup, and so I'm having a little bit of a different time doing it too because I have expectations of what it could be. Sounds painful. Yeah. You so hold tightly to what you want, right? Yeah. Some people claim that that's freedom, not to have guilt. <laughs> that's like, 
<laughs> they li they live without empathy too, which is which is a huge marker. Yeah. By the pros and cons of life and your interactions of people is human, and the fact that we have a spiritual, uh, the Holy Spirit in guiding us through that is Christian, you mm. know, and, uh, and it's a good thing. So, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Mm -hmm. Without going through mm -hmm. something, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I don't really know how to handle it except for a daily time. Yeah. And if you need to, don't do it a day at a time. Do it a few minutes at a time or a few hours. Like, take it in as small as a piece as you can. Yeah. Because the hard things, which end up being good as well, it's not that it's hard and bad. It's often that it's hard and good, right? Is has to be done in these small little sections or else we're not going to be able to get through it. It's, it's why the tortoise won the race. He didn't look and say, I'm going to go there. The rabbit did that, and then he got distracted, and he quit. And the tortoise just looked right in front of him and did one step, and then another step, and then another step. And that's all he did. In fact, I saw a YouTube video. You've seen it yes. recently of them actually playing this out with a turtle or a tortoise and a rabbit or a hare. And it, guess what happened? The tortoise won because the rabbit sped up and then like, oh, what's that? And then started eating something and just kind of sat there. And then the tortoise just kind of one by one by one just kept going. And that, it, it was such a, a, a powerful visual of, of, of that story because consistent small steps really is how we accomplish change. It's how we, how we get there. And the great thing is the Holy Spirit's never going to move us more than that. He doesn't ask us to do it all at one time. He's not asking us to get there. He's asking us to do today, to be present and mindful today in this moment, and then in the next, and then in the next, whether it's our relationships, which is part of our DNA, God's handprint in our life drives us into connection with relationships. Why? Because that's who he is. He designed us. He had everything. He had angels and all these other things around him. And yet he wanted that personal connection. And he designed and created humanity. And he put his thumbprint within our own DNA that drives us towards that as well. Which is just a God-given gift and can be a source of pain. It really can be. And why is that? Well, that's a result of the fall. Like, that's not part of the original design. That's not what happened. Adam and Eve were great before that, right? Like, we could really trace this all the way back. But the reality is, if I'm going to deal with it today, and I'm going to change and move forward, I've got to do it one little step at a time. That's it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, Powerful. I just, I just want to confirm it from God's Word. Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Powerful. I just confirmed, you know, that's, that's what God said about it. Yeah. He said, you know, 
watch where you're watch where you're going, do one thing at a time, and just stay focused on it. Yeah, thank you for looking up that scripture. And how often do we get off on that? I mean, we could take that one thing right there and spend hours upon hours giving examples of how we get off on that, right? Whether it's through our relationships, through addictions, through mental health, through ADHD, through learning disabilities, through stress, through like continue to fill in the blank with a bazillion things that can take us off track right there. And that's not that those are some of the, the things. We're not even talking about like the topical things like, you know, politics and religion and and you know, dressing and cars and money and all those other things, right? Like, like there can be layer upon layer upon layer, but if we totally just simplify and pull it all down and take it just one little piece, the Lord's called me to be right here, right now, right here. And that's where I'm going to be. And then I'm going to take that step forward. And then I'm going to take that deep breath, and then I'm going to do it again. And if I focus on Him in that moment, we know that we're going to reach the end, right? We know that because he said that to Peter. He said, Peter, if you had kept your focus on me, you would have continued, you would have reached me. You would have continued to walk on water. Wow. Like, this isn't Doctor Who right here. This isn't science fiction. Like, he was literally walking on water. Everything that in our own humanity says is not possible because he kept his eyes focused on the Lord and took it one step at a time. Right out of Proverbs. It's powerful. That, that, that nestled in there a long time ago. I thought it for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the things I realized is that distraction, at least my experience of that is a lot of times my distractions have more to do with fear of the things that, that I'm supposed to be doing, like I have some kind of issue around it, and it's like, oh, I'm going to do that, oh, I'm going to go do that. And what I really have to do is you know, take all that and remember that Jesus is on this side of the yoke. Yeah. And so what do I do now? Just put this it's just like me. Just like me. Yeah. So, you know, I really key in, guys, before we close here, really key into some of Pastor Ryan's teachings when he's coming up to the Beatitudes and some of the things that he's he's been talking about. And I know he's going to be doing some things with prayer and, and really has a passion for that and, and helping us dig in deeper silent solitude into that discipleship with the Lord and, and what that means and what that looks like. And and, and so he's, we're talking about the application in our everyday life, and he's going to be giving some of those how-tos on a spiritual perspective. And I'm really excited for that. Now, just saying that, I did not come up with this, like, oh, I really want to go through these relationship dynamics because of what he's doing, and vice versa. In fact, it was just this past week where I emailed him. I said, this is what I'm going to be teaching about in recovery class. And he was like, oh, okay, great, thanks. And so it's interesting in my mind how the Lord takes things and goes like that, right? Like that wasn't mean, that was, that, that's, that's all Jesus right there. And yeah, right? And I think that's just amazing. So, so key, key into some of that because even in my own walk with the Lord, the areas where I've noticed I get hung up in my discipleship is when he's calling me to be still and silent with him. I have a very hard time with that. My mind never shuts up. I'm that person who wakes up in the middle of the night like, oh, that's right. And I got to write that down. 
constantly have the lyrics of our songs. They never stop and be still and know that I am God. Yes. Oh, practicing that is so, being the being still part is so hard. And I, I'm not sure that was there was ever a society where that wasn't difficult. I know that from my experience in today's world, there's so many distractions. There's so many distractions. Even when I'm up in my office and I open my window, I'll hear the people across the street or I'll hear the airplanes. And I'm like, I can't even open my window. I've got to keep it closed because that's distracting me. So just pay attention to that because all these things we're talking about as we're working through that and as we're, we're going through and we're applying these things that we're learning in, in our Monday night class and you're combining that with some of the things that you're learning the Holy Spirit is imprinting upon your heart for, through the service, you're going to find yourself one day, you're going to look back and you're going to say, I just took a thousand baby steps and now I'm no longer where I used to be. Praise God. Right? I didn't know I would be here. I wanted to be here. I didn't know I would be here, and now I'm here. That's amazing. And I, hopefully that's encouraging to you as well. Yeah. Let me go ahead and close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for, for your spirit, for the gift of your Holy Spirit to, to be with us, to comfort, to guide, to instruct to convict, Lord Jesus, to, to pull us along. Father God, we just pray that we are able to slow ourselves down and truly lean into you, not only for what we need, but for how you are calling us to grow and to heal. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves, and I pray that we will truly listen to you as you continue to heal and lead us every moment of every day. Thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to be in this class, to have this place in this class, to be able to have these kinds of discussions. Father, I pray that this is just an encouragement and a strengthening for each one of us. In your most holy name, amen.